Good morning, everyone. My name is Kevin Bates, and I'm the lead pastor for Resonate Christian Church, and I'm so thankful that each one of you have joined us this morning. Wherever you are at this morning, we want you to know that we love you, we care about you, and we want to be connected with you. So if you would join us on one of our social media platforms or direct message us, that would be great just to share with us your life and to let us know how we can pray for you. We want to connect with you in this way. We want to pray for you. We want to let you know that we care. And so today we are continuing our sermon series on James. And so if you'd pull out your Bibles to James chapter 3, that's where we're going to be at this morning. Every week, we are doing this online broadcast at 10 o'clock, and at 9.30, we have our kids program, and so if you want to be a part of the Kids Zoom, or your children a part of the Kids Zoom program, go ahead and connect with Bethany Flug. She can get you a private link to that Zoom, and your kids can enjoy. I hear we have some crazy stuff going on at 9.30, and so with our kids program, so jump on that, and uh, hopefully your kids will enjoy that for the future. During our, our week, we do have community groups that are meeting sporadically through the summer, and so if you wanted to schedule our back patio or uh, socially distanced type meeting in the back with some dinner or, or what have you, you can, and so go ahead and connect with Jacob Flug on that. Pastor Jake would help uh, organize that for you and schedule that time on our back patio if you want an in-person, in-person meeting. We do communion at the end of every sermon time, and so if you have access to communion elements, we want to uh, gather those now, and so in your pantry or in your kitchen, if you want to grab a piece of bread, some juice or wine, and prepare those, I have a small introduction, and so if you want to turn the volume up on your device, you can go grab those and prepare your elements for after our teaching time. I want to remind you that we are a community that loves like Jesus, and I believe that loving like Jesus, we can be strengthened in that value through our core values as a community, and our core values are daily devotion, prayer, freedom from strongholds, serving the community, sacrificial generosity, sharing and knowing our stories, and celebration, and when we put these in place in our life and practice these things in our life. I believe that that strengthens our hearts, it strengthens our spirits, it strengthens our minds, and it helps us and allows us to love people better and love people like Jesus would want us to to love. This is our Christ candle, and this is a reminder that Jesus is with us no matter what. And even though we are going through dark times and times are tough and maybe times are tougher for you or or not as tough for you, whatever the situation that you are in, we are all in a dark place because our nation is suffering from still a pandemic and our world is, is divided and our nation is divided over subjects of racism and racial tension. And so... I really desire that this time we be prayerful and we um, enter into that discipline of prayer, just praying for um, ourselves, our families, our community, uh, our state, and our nation across coast to coast. We are in dark times, and even though we are in dark times, the light of Christ still shines. Even if we don't feel it, even if we're not experiencing it, even if we can't see it, 
the light of Christ still shines no matter what. And this is the representation of that. That the light of Christ is in you, shining brightly even in the darkness. Well, today we are in chapter 3 of the book of James. And chapter 3 talks a lot about the power of speech, the power of our words. And I believe that there are two very powerful tools in our culture and really in our, 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 our being, our, our human race, is that, is that we have imagery and we have words to communicate message. And James talks about the power of speech and the power of words being some of the greatest tools that we have. Words can change people's hearts. Words can change people's direction. Words can change people's minds. Words can change people's, they can make a decision to change their hearts, make a decision to change their values, make a decision to change their ethics, make a decision to change the direction of their life. Words change people. They change nations. They change states. They change situations. Words can help us overcome differences. Words can appease the sick, and words can satisfy even the most violent of situations, even a terrorist. Words can talk a terrorist off the ledge, and words can talk somebody uh, that is having an episode, talk them off the ledge of their lives as well. And so words can change things. And with the tongue, it's said in the Bible that man can praise and curse, that man can praise God and curse human beings. And, and so the power of the tongue is strong. We can pray with it. We can preach the word with it. We can lead the lost to Christ but we also can condemn and damn, and we can, we can judge with the same, same tongue. With the same tongue, we can tell lies. With the same tongue, we can ruin a person's reputation or just slander somebody. And so we have the ability with our words to, to just change things, to be involved, to, to uh, have conversations that can make a difference in our world, and, and so we have a tremendous responsibility, and sometimes we take, we take our responsibility for granted, but we have a great responsibility as Christians with our words and to use them wisely and not irresponsibly. The Bible tells us that not anything unedifying is supposed to come out of our mouths, yet we forget the, counter, the counterbalance to that statement, that if Nothing unedifying is supposed to come out of our mouths. Edification is supposed to come out of our mouths. That's the counter statement to the, the negative, don't do this. Well, what are we supposed to do? So using words is important to edify, to affirm, to build up, to encourage, to motivate, to help, to counsel, to advise, to mentor. Words can change situations and words can change people. And we, can, we, we need to take a responsibility to our words. 
I learned this week that it's actually a crime to just publish or to post slanderous things on social media. I know somebody right now who is dealing with a felony crime because they posted something on social media that was, that was private information about other people. And I didn't know this, that it was that serious. I thought, oh, you know, you're just, you know, angry at somebody, so you just go off on, on social media. But social media is so prevalent and so networked and so, so popular that it's like a megaphone. And it can be shared and go viral, and it can actually do a lot of damage. I know, I know uh, some stories about people that said something and they were f fired within hours based on their private social media accounts because, and, and we might be critical of that, or you might say, well, why is that the case? And social media, you know, like you're just down on social media. It's a powerful tool. It can be used for good and it can be used for bad. But we have a great responsibility as people that if that's a megaphone, our words, our words matter and what we put on social media or what we put out there in public matters, matters greatly. And so we have even a greater responsibility with the technological advances that take our words and amplify our, our words. And so even like this camera and posting things on the internet or, or content on the internet. We have to be very careful about what we do and what we say and, and how we say it and, and always using the filter. And I would, say, I would say for us as Christians, always using the filter, does this tear down or does this edify? Does this build up or does this break down? And, and always err on the side of building up edification, affirmation, and, and encouragement. And so we have that great responsibility that we cannot take for granted. So James uses some pictures of some imagery that sparks some images in our minds. Uh, six pictures of the tongue that I have boiled down to basically classifications of, of imagery where he says the bit in the rudder the fire, a poison, a fountain, and a fig tree. Those images are the ones that James uses to reveal the powers of the tongue. The powers of the tongue. So if you turn to James 3, starting in verse 1, uh, we have the bit and the rudder. The bit and the rudder. And he says right here in verse 1, my brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers because we know that we teachers will be judged more strictly. We all make mistakes often, but those who don't make mistakes with their words have reached full maturity. Like a bridled horse, they can control themselves entirely. When, when, a bridled horse, uh, when we bridle horses and put bits in their mouths to lead them wherever we want, we can control their whole bodies. Consider ships. They are so large that strong winds are needed to drive them, but pilots direct their ships wherever they want with a little rudder. So if you think about first the bridle, and 
the, the charge or the encouragement that James is giving here, that our words are like a bridle and a rudder. And so the power of the, of the words, they have the power to direct like a bridle and a rudder. I used to ride horses. Some of you might uh, ride horses now. I used to ride horses, and um, my aunt owned Arabian horses. And so if you can imagine what an Arabian horse and, and how high-spirited they can be. And so here's little Kevin as a kid on an Arabian horse and trying to break horses and control horses. I mean, it's just, there was a time in my life that I was very involved with, with riding horses in the, in the sport of dressage and, and uh, jumping and such. And, and when, you, when you put a, a harness on a, a halter on a horse, um, you could control it to a certain point. Um, when you put the halter on, you had a lead, and you would lead the horse around with the halter. But yet, when you put a bit in a horse's mouth, you could control a horse. You could bring that head completely back into his or her body, completely back just with the bridle, completely stop a horse with a bridle, back up a horse with a bridle. With a halter, you could kind of control a horse, but with the bridle, you could co- totally control the body. And so when you think about, when you think about what the power of our words the power of our words can control like, um, like a bridle. And so, especially for leaders, we as leaders, and those of you who are leaders in your organizations or your workplaces or in our church or wherever you are at leading, remember that you can, you can lead with, with poison or you can lead with, with encouragement and affirmation, but yet, just know that our words are like a bridle, and we can control whole bodies of people. Um, and it's a great responsibility to, to work at communication and work at uh, using, encouraging and using words that build up that organization or that body. So there's some accountability that we need. There's some responsibility that we need to take on and not disregard it. So James is blaming basically certain teachers in the community for teaching false practices and false doctrine and trying to win control over these, this body of, of people. Now, remember in the Roman world, status was... Uh, People wanted status. It was like an epidemic of wanting status. So, so Romans, the Roman people would seek after prestige and seek after knowledge so that they were smarter than the next person. And the, and the collegia basically, um, basically was, was like this status organization, this status group. And so if you can become a part of the elite, you were thought of as like, you know, the, 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 the influencers in society. So, so the Roman people would seek after some of this status. Well, the church is an organized group, and so it'd be very easy to impose some of that cultural idea of status onto, 
onto the church. So if we could jockey ourselves in the positions of leadership, if we could jockey ourselves in the position of control, then we had status with this group, <clears throat> this group of people. And so, so there is a problem there that he is addressing that basically these teachers are doing it for false motives. These teachers are doing it for false false premise. And so we need to watch out for teachers like that, but we also can't be a teacher like that in the organizations and the groups. And maybe maybe you're a manager somewhere. You can't just use status and your, your uh, business politics or whatever to, to try to tear people down so that you can rise to, rise to the top. So the question that I have right now when it comes to James and James chapter 3 is this, can words lead to deeds? So he went from deeds to now words, like the power of words. And I think that James is making a connection between deeds. He just said faith without works is dead. And so now he's making this connection with deeds, in a sense, can start with with words. And so our thoughts and our beliefs and our motivations and our hearts can be expressed in words first, and those can lead to some powerful, powerful deeds. He also uses another illustration of the rudder. And I don't know if you know how a ship is built, but a ship, and, and a large ship is, is large, uh, and the rudder, in comparison to the ship, is very small. And so if you think about a rudder and the size of a rudder compared to a boat and how powerful a, a rudder can turn, like basically turn the direction of a ship and how powerful that, that is, um, the smallest of words, basically, the illustration metaphor there is, the smallest of words can really move large, large ideas and large movements. The smallest of words can move literally mountains. In, a, in World War II, there was a poster that was promoted that loose lips sink ships. Loose lips sink ships. What that meant was basically like if you were talking and, and basically like, you know, Sharon out there, basically, uh, you know, you could like reveal secrets um, about the military. And so loose lips sunk the ships as they would find out where, you know, ships were at or whatever and then torpedo them down. Well, I would say that loose lips also wreck lives. Loose lips wreck lives. And I have to be honest with you, I've had, I've had people say stuff about me and, and you know, publicly attack me in ways with their words. And there's been times in my life where people have basically slandered me to the point that I thought, wow, my, my life is going down. Um, that's scary when somebody has that much, <clears throat> I guess, hate or that much uh, resentment towards another person that they would speak out so strongly against another person um, that they would tear down their career, their families, their children, whoever they are, they would, they would tear, tear down their lives. Um, that is not the value and the character that Jesus wants us as Christians to be. 
And so if you find yourself in this cluster of people that um, are slandering another person or gossiping about another person or tearing a group of people down or complaining about things, um, we need to pull ourselves out of that. And we need to like repent of that. And so we need to look at whoever that is and say, you know, this is not appropriate. If we have a problem with someone, the Bible tells us to go to that person. So, so if you think about the words and the things that I have said and you have said about others, I mean, how damaging that can be and how damaging it could be to just their reputation and how hurtful that could be if they found out that we were speaking uh, behind their back and tearing them down. I, it's, it's just, it's just I, I guess we, we need to spend the time and do the hard work to, to temper our gossip and temper our slander and to use our words, to use our words kindly. Sarcasm is one of those things that's really a cultural ec- epidemic that we think that <clears throat> walking into a situation and saying some joke or tearing somebody down actually creates rapport with the group or with the individual. It actually creates separation and, and division. I, I've known people that will walk into a group of people or they'll walk into a situation, they'll stick their hand out and they will say, I am so thankful that you invited me here. I'm so grateful that I'm here. I'm so excited to be here. And they just like light up like basically the room because they showed up and they're just thankful to be a part of things and they're thankful to be. They don't walk in and go, you know, they just don't say some snide joke as they walk in. I've also been a part of that where you're in a group and somebody walks in and says some snide joke or tears, you know, the way you look down or what, you know, what your shirt looks like or what's set on your shirt or whatever. They just are like making a joke. So just remember this, that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can kill people. And so just know that our words are like the bit and the rudder. <clears throat> they are overcoming, they can overcome opposing forces, they can overcome power, powerful forces, um, and they can change people's lives for the good or for the worse. And so we have a great responsibility, um, great responsibility to use our words wisely. In Matthew 1, it says, for whatever is in your heart will determine what you say. And when I see somebody that is ultimately sarcastic or they're negative or they just look at life very pessimistically and they're just tearing things down, it's, it's a heart issue. It's, it's not a, hey, that person needs to watch what they say. They need to watch their hearts and what's going on in, inside of inside of their hearts. And so when you look at like Proverbs and all through the book of Proverbs, there's, there's all kinds of Proverbs that just direct and guide and nurture good words, that good words would come out of our mouths, that we wouldn't hate with our words, that we would love with our words, that we wouldn't um, talk too much, that we would, we would be a person of few words, that we'd be sensible about our words and not sinful about our words, that we would delight and another person with words that we wouldn't tear that person out. So there's all kinds of direction and guidance in the Bible when it comes to how we use our words because our words are so powerful, like a bit and a rudder. James also uses the uh, 
picture, the imagery of the fire and the animal in James 3, starting in verse 5 through 8. Um, in the same way, even though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts wildly. Think about this. A small flame can set a whole forest on fire. The tongue is a small flame of fire, a world of evil at work in us. It contaminates our entire lives. Because of it, the circle of life is set on fire. The tongue itself is set on fire by the flames of hell. People can tame and already have tamed every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish. No one can tame the tongue, though. It is restless, evil, and full of deadly poison. Wow, that is just some strong words. Um, every year, Oregon has fire season, and I guess we're kind of probably in the in the middle of it in some parts and maybe going into it um, here this month where just sometimes it feels like all of Oregon is on fire. Especially rural Oregon. And I was just in rural Oregon out by, um, well, southeast, the southeast corner of, of the state and got out of the, the vehicle and walked up to a little cafe store type situation and some uh, some lady with you know a huge cowboy hat and like real spurs like she had real spurs on um, with real cowboy boots and real cowgirl boots and and real like like she was the real deal right and she gets out of this big truck and she walks up to me and I ask her hey do you know how to get to this area do you live here Obviously, you live here. Do you know how to get to this area? And, uh, and she says, yeah, you just you know, take this road down here and turn left, turn right, and you're, you're on it. And I'm like, awesome, thank you. And she's like, but don't get off the road. And I, I'm like, okay, I won't get off the road. She's like, do not get off the road unless there is a turnout that is dirt for your truck. And I, I'm like, okay. That's, that's cool. Okay, thank you. She's like, your exhaust can catch the grass on fire and we will have a grass fire that will rip through this community. I'm like, oh, we, you know, we, won't, we won't get off the road, I promise. So then the next stop, there was another individual and they said the exact same thing to me. Don't get off the road if there's a turnout with dirt, you can get off there. And I'm like, do I just have like city boy just written all over me? Like I just don't know how to drive and I've never been on a dirt road before. <laughs> you know, do I just like look like that guy just walking around? Hey, I'm from Portland, you know, here I am. And, and uh, I'm out here in, in, you know, country land and I don't know how to drive a country road, I guess. Uh, they are so concerned about fires because number one, their livelihood could go up in flames, number one. Um, number two is, yes, I am a city boy that I drive into country Oregon, and I don't know how to drive those roads, and people drive off the beaten path all the time. And so they, they deal with fire season out in rural Oregon all the time, every year. I remember, I remember when I actually lived in Idaho, in southern Idaho, there was a gentleman that drove an RV and the car that he was towing, this was like back in the 90s, I think. 
the car, yeah, it was in the 90s, the car that he was towing lost, uh, it, the, one of the wheels uh, blew up on his, on his uh, vehicle that he was towing behind the RV. And he drugged that car with sparks coming off of that rim for like 100 miles. And he started a fire that was literally 100 miles long. And that ripped through Idaho, like the biggest fire of the decade ripped through Idaho and, and literally almost came over the mountain of, of Idaho, of Boise, and just ripped through that land. So our words sometimes can be like the vehicle that you tow behind an RV with a bad tire that has a sparking rim that causes a fire 100 miles long. Our words can create a fury. In Proverbs 26, it says, fires go out for the lack of fuel and quarrels disappear when gossip starts. A quarrelsome person starts fights as easily as hot embers light charcoal or fire lights words. So our tongue basically can heat things up. Our tongue can defile and just rage fire in our homes. The words that we use can just rip our families apart. The words that we use can rip our, our relatives apart. The words that we use can rip our friends apart. The words that we use can cause fire in, in the church. And, and we always need prayer for that, that our words would, would be like, would be like life-giving instead of, instead of lighting things like a match with, with, dry, with dry, uh, dry wood. What's interesting about in, in verse 6, he says, because of this, the circle of life is set on fire. The circle of life is set on fire. The tongue itself is set on fire by the flames of hell. So... An entire person's life, and I've watched this happen before, an entire person's life can be destroyed, destroyed basic, basically off of gossip, slander, and lies. I've watched it happen. I've watched people lose their careers basically by what somebody lied and how they, and how they slandered another individual. And so what's, what the problem with our words is, is once you say them, you can't take it back. I mean, you can apologize, but the words are there. The words uh, sometimes sink very, very deep. And words are like fire that keeps spreading. And so this person hears this and this and this and this and this, and basically it spreads like a wild, wildfire, ripping um, just people's lives lives apart. So he also says they're like a dangerous animal, and this is just a quick illustration, that he says that people can tame and already have tamed every kind of animal, but words, uh, our tongue is restless, full of deadly poison, it cannot be uh, tamed. And so I don't know if you've ever been camping before and you see, you see those signs that say, don't leave food out, uh, put food in sealed containers, uh, when you throw away your trash, use this like, like 
bomb shelter to put your food in, basically the sealed container of, of steel that you lift up and put your food in. That's because bears are there. And bears are untamed animals. Some of them are docile, like a black bear, but I don't know if you've ever been around a grizzly bear. Um, I've been around a grizzly bear. Uh, I've been very close to a grizzly bear, taking pictures um, like a dumb 20-year-old out there taking pictures of a grizzly bear. Um, yeah, actually, I was, I, was, I think, uh, 44 when I did that, too. So, so, so not only did I take pictures back then, I take, so I'm just dumb. Anyway, so, so uh, grizzly bears are untamed. And when they're hungry, they, they're hungry. And I've seen grizzly bears like in the wild and they just have this, oh man, they just have this like aura about them that just is crazy, crazy. Like the energy that a grizzly bear has stored up. Um, wow. When I was, when I was probably mm, 23 years old, I was driving down a mountain uh, from a ski run, ski resort. And I was driving down this mountain and I saw this little baby bear. Um, is the, in the summertime, I was biking up on the, on the mountain and, and drove down, and, and there was uh, this baby grizzly bear. I thought it was the cutest thing ever. I mean, here's this baby grizzly bear on the side of the road. I'm like, oh, my goodness, you know, look at that. So in my little Honda, I open the door, and I'm like, come here, little bear, come here, little bear. <laughs> and Mama Bear jumped out of the woods like... Fury fire that she came after my car and like that came after because I was a threat to her little baby and I the car was still running um, it was a stick shift of course I killed it putting it in first gear letting the clutch out too fast I was just freaked out got the car started sped off I was fine but yeah that that grizzly bear had just a fury about untameness about it that, that is like um, James is telling us, it's like the words. And I'll use this words. Our words can be toxic like poison, like fury, anger that rips through. But in the positive, and we'll close with this, the positive is our words can be like a fountain and a fig, excuse me, fountain and fig tree. And a fountain produces water. And water is like nature's cleaning agent. Water can cleanse. Water can provide. Water can hydrate. Water can bring things to life. Water can, water can carve new pathways. Water can, can make things brand new. Water can clean. Water can heal. Water can do all kinds of things. Water can heal our bodies. Um, drink a gallon of water a day and see what happens to you. It's just cleansing to your body. So a person's words, according to Proverbs, can be life-giving water. A person's words can be wisdom. A person's words can lead to life. A person's words can overcome others' harmful intentions. A person's words can be life-giving advice. The person's words can be a, 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 an experience of love in Proverbs 18. A person's words 
can make somebody's cutting remarks, can heal the cuts from other people's remarks. So the words that we use can cut or restore. And this idea that is a life-giving fountain, is like a fountain of water, those words are a cleansing agent. Our words can be like the basin at the tabernacle. They can clean even our souls. They can clean our minds. They can clean our, our hearts. And so, so the, the illustration of the fountain is this idea that when we communicate as people, when we communicate as Christian people, we can actually heal. We can actually cleanse. We can actually bring life to other people with our words. And I believe in the power of affirmation. The power of affirmation is when you, and, and affirmation is an art and it's a skill. I've known people that are horrible at it. I know people that are really good at it. And the, the idea of affirmation, and Gary Chapman saying it's a love language, which is true, it is, it does speak love, where when we get really good at affirming, we are actually giving somebody life and courage to make it another day. This idea of a fig tree has to do with shade source from sun, but it also has to do with economy, that that our words can help another person feel fruitful, feel successful, um, and feel rich inside of their lives. That our words can be so powerful that it can take somebody from scarcity, from poverty, from being broke, to just jumping that cavern, jumping that across that, that canyon into not broke, but rich, not scarce, but enough, they, they can experience blessing and they can experience basically shade from the scorching sun. That is the power of our words. The power of our words can tear down or build up. The power of our words can, can cut or can heal. The power of our words can divide or unite. And I pray as Christians that we would use the power of our words to build up the name of Christ, that his name would go into the nations and that gospel message, the good news that Christ came would be that healing, would be that unification, that would be that, that encouragement and that edification that we all, we all need. And so I pray that you would love people this way. And as we take communion today, I want us to remember that Jesus in his sermons, blessed be, he used lots of words to build people up and to say that we were blessed. And so through this time of communion, in the gospel, even though it was a horrific act and even though it was a horrific sacrifice, it was a beautiful sacrifice because he said, because of this act, you are blessed. And he speaks that you are a saint, you are whole, you are righteous, you are holy. He speaks all of those words over us that you are my children, that you are, you are a child of God. He speaks that over our lives. And so when we take communion today, just think about the power of Jesus and his words in your life.
Father, thank you for today. Thank you for James 3. Thank you for the encouragement that we have to speak and to communicate, Lord, with the love of Christ. Lord, thank you for this week, and I just pray that you would bless each and every person this week, that they would be encouraged, that they would have life this week, they would feel strength, Lord, and they would go into their situations, whether it be work, whether it be family, whether it be, whether it be an organization that they're leading, Lord, I pray that they would lead and work and be involved and use the power of their words to bless, to build up, to edify, and to affirm, like a fountain and a fig tree. So Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed, Resonate. Have a great week. I love you. I care about you. Join us on our social media channels if you want to connect with us. We want to hear from you. We want to connect with you somehow. I pray that you have a blessed week. Use your words wisely. Use your words with power, the power to edify, the power to affirm, the power to give life this week. God bless you. Thank you.